Thank you, Jenny. Wasn't that a beautiful song? I've been through enough to know that he is enough for me. And that's good enough, isn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ has a perfect track record. He has never failed yet, nor will he ever fail, and we can thank him for that. We can thank him that we can be here this morning. 
Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we just want to thank you for this beautiful song that Jenny sang for us this morning. And we thank you that we have been down the road. We have been Christians for a while, many of us, and we have seen you come through for us time and time again. We thank you that you provide for us, you encourage us, you guide us along the way in life. And we just want to thank you now for this time that we can come before you and look into your word. And we just pray, Father, that you will speak to our hearts through the Lord Jesus Christ today and the Holy Spirit. And we just pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross and just may these words that are spoken be your words to our hearts today. And we just thank you for all that you've done. And we leave it in your hands and pray for the Spirit of God to touch every heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, everyone in life gives their heart to something or gives their heart to someone. But when God sent his son down, he gave his heart to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God loved us so much, and he's given us his word, the Bible, as a living letter of love from his heart to our hearts. The Christian life is really all about the heart. And the question is today, have you given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That's the first question that everyone has to answer individually and personally. Have I invited Jesus Christ into my life as my Lord and Savior? And then if you have invited him in, have you enthroned him as the king of your life? as the Lord of your life, as the boss of your life. Many of us work at jobs where we have a boss. Everyone has a boss that's in the work-a-day world. We have, to, we have to answer to that boss. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is really our boss. We work for him. We don't work for an employer or a boss. We do, but the main motive in our life is to work for Jesus and to be a blessing and to allow him to have the full control over our hearts. 100%, nothing held back. We're never going to be happy in our Christian life if we hold anything back from him. If our hearts are worried and troubled and bothered and we're allowing things to interfere, we need to get down on our knees and say, Lord, take over my heart. Take over my life. Lead me, guide me, encourage me in life, and he will do it. The title of our message today is, It's All About the Heart. It's all about the heart. If you've ever noticed in the concordance, and you can go home today, look up how many times the word heart is used in the Bible. Whether it's the New King James, New American Standard, King James, whatever version you use. In the New King James Version, I looked it up in my concordance, the word heart is used 833 times. 833 times. When God repeats something in his word more than once, it's for effect because it's very important. When he repeats it that many times, it's hugely important. Our hearts are so important because it's the very fabric of our being. It's the way we commune with him and we allow him to work in us and through us in our hearts. And that's how he changes our lives, is he changes us from the heart. And then the outward changes result, but it starts with the inner person of the heart. We can ask ourselves this morning, how is my heart? Now, some of you have had any heart problems at all. You know that the first thing the doctor will do is order a full heart examination. 
And they can put you through every test. And last year when I had all these heart issues, I went through every test. Test after test after test. But you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is the great physician. And he's the one who really knows the heart. Not just the literal heart muscle that we all have. He knows us better than anyone else. He knows everything about us. Our thoughts, our words, our actions, everything we've ever done. And he loves us. That's the amazing thing to me. Knowing all about me, he still loves me. And he'll always love me. He'll always love you. And he wants us to give our hearts fully to him. Joe Stowell is one of the writers of the Daily Bread, and he wrote a book called Fan the Flame. And he wrote in that book that heart is used in Scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. It is the part of the being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It has been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity, the comprehensive term for a person as a whole. His feelings, his desires, his passions, his thoughts, understanding and will, and the center of the person, the place to which God turns. I've been reading in the book of Proverbs, and if you want to see a lot of references to the heart, look in the book of Proverbs. It's mentioned over and over again. And I counted this morning the brothers that mentioned different things from Jim in the scripture memory class and breaking of bread. You notice the word heart is used a lot of times because it's important to God and it should be important to us that our hearts are right with him. That's what's really important in life. We all love people. We love our husbands, our wives, our kids, our grandkids. We love our friends and our family members. But the Lord Jesus Christ needs to have first place in our hearts. He wants to not only have a prominent place in our hearts, he wants to have the preeminent place. The highest place is to put Jesus in. I love the verse in Proverbs 4.23 that says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Everything starts with the heart. Everything comes out of the heart. And that's why Jesus said, It's not what you eat that defiles you, as the Jews were talking about, but he says it's what comes from within, out of the heart, flow all these sins and all these things. If you look at our hearts, unregenerated hearts are wicked, evil, sinful. And so when the Lord Jesus Christ saves us, he gives us a new heart that is righteous and holy and pure. And that's the joy of it. Praise God we don't have to just have the old heart. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new life. Turn with me, if you would, this morning to the book of Psalms, verse, Psalm 139 and verses 23 and 24. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Psalms is another book of the Bible that has a lot of references to the heart, and it's really a blessing for our lives. Psalm 139 and verse 23. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. We're going to look today at three simple things. I love the simple things in Scripture, and these things are simple. But don't ever think that when something is simple in the Word of God that it's easy or it's easy to do. It's not. 
These things are not easy for us, but they are clear. The Bible makes things clear because God wants us to know it in our hearts and believe it. And there's three things we're going to look at today. Number one, search me. Number two, try me. And number three, lead me. You know, David had the guts, if I can say it that way. David had the guts to ask God to search him. How many Christians today do you know of who would have the courage and the conviction to say, God, search me. Shine your light down on my heart. You know, a lot of times we're not that courageous to ask God to do it because if he, do, he will do that. He will answer that prayer. If you ask God to show you your, show, to show your heart and your heart condition, he will show you. And then he'll show you how to change and how to, to be right with him in your heart. He is the great physician. He is the one who gives us the joy in our hearts, in our lives. In our modern-day vernacular, we might say, Lord, check me out. Check me out. See if there's something I need to change in, that I need to grow in. And we all have those areas. We never get complacent or should never get complacent thinking we've arrived in our lives. We should say, Lord, search me, show me things, teach me things, and then change me. Don't leave me that way. And he is faithful to do it. You know, in the real estate world, you can do several things. If you want to have your house checked out, you can have a site inspection done where somebody just kind of looks it over. That's good, but it's not that great. You can have a broker price opinion. You can have a real estate agent give you a value of what that person thinks the house is worth. But if you really want to know what your house is really worth on the market, what do you get, Dave? A full appraisal. A full appraisal. It costs a lot of money, right? But it's worth it, right? Because then you know what your house really is worth. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to do a full appraisal on our hearts. He doesn't want to just do the site inspection where he gives a quick look over or a broker's price opinion where he gives an educated guess. He wants to come in and do a full heart exa examination on us. And he wants us to draw near to him with our hearts. The Amplified Bible says it this way, Search me thoroughly, O God. Search me thoroughly and know my heart. God knows our feelings. He knows our emotions. He knows what makes us tick. He knows our weaknesses and our frailties. He knows our hearts. But he wants us to come to that place where we too recognize how much we need him. And we need him to be in first place in our hearts. If you look back at verses 1 through 6 of this chapter, we're going to read these because this is the beginning of the, of the psalm that David had, and the prayer comes at the very end. But if you notice, he says something similar in these first six verses and shows how much God really knows us and how much he really cares. It says, Psalm 139, verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, and my rising up. You understand my thought from afar. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. It's so beautiful to know that God knows our heart and he loves us and he wants the best for us and he knows that if I will just yield my heart to him, he will work in such a way as to bless my life. But if I hold on to my heart 
and have to do it my way and I put myself ahead of him, it's not going to work. Nothing's going to work. Life will be frustrating. It will not get off the ground. In Job 31.6, Job said these words. He says, let me be weighed on honest scales that God may know my integrity. I love the fact that David, for example, is called a man after God's own heart. That's a pretty high compliment to have. Wouldn't it be high compliment if God says, he's a man after my own heart. She's a, a woman after my own heart. That's what we want for our lives. But what it means is not that we're perfect, not we're, that we're never going to make a mistake or never sin or never do anything like that. But David had a heart for the Lord. And if he sinned, he confessed his sin. If he did wrong, he asked the Lord to forgive him. He trusted the Lord for battles to be fought and victories to be won. He was always seeking the Lord's help in his life. And that's what we need to do as well. 19th century Bible con commentator by the name of Henry Melville wrote, The text is a prayer, and it indicates, as we think, three great facts in regard to the supplicant. The first, that David thoroughly wished to be acquainted with himself. The second, that he felt conscious that God could see through all his disguises. I love that. And third, he desired to discover in order that by divine help, he might correct whatever was wrong in his conduct. That is so beautiful because sometimes we dress up, we look good, we put on a mask sometimes. But God sees beyond the mask. He sees beyond the disguise. He sees beyond the outward appearance. It says in scripture, he looks at the heart. When Samuel went out to, to choose a new king to replace Saul, he went to all the sons of Jesse, and he had all the sons pass through there one by one, and they were tall, dark, and handsome, and they were fine, educated, young men, good stock. But Samuel said, not one of these is God's choice. Don't you have another son somewhere? Well, we got this little short son here, David. He's out feeding the sheep. He's a shepherd boy and everything. Bring him in. And so they brought him in, and Samuel said, he's the one. He's the one. And he anointed him as king over Israel. And it says in that scripture that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. He looks on the heart. He knows what's going on on the inside. And when he does that, he challenges us as well. But when you look inside the heart, sometimes what do you find? Ugliness, vileness, sinfulness. That's how our hearts were, like I mentioned. But in Christ, he's given us a new heart. And we're thankful for that. I asked the Lord today, what kind of heart do you want me to have, Lord? What kind of heart do you want me to have? First of all, he wants us to have a soft heart to him. If we have a soft heart that loves him and loves our our brothers and sisters in Christ, and loves the unsaved who need Christ, we can be a really effective for the Lord if we have a soft heart. He also wants us to have a loyal heart. A loyal heart is so important in today's world where loyalty is, is not even spoken of, whether it's in a professional football team or a business or a company or anything. Loyalty is not there. God wants us to be loyal. And he wants us to have a loyal heart. He also wants us to have a sincere heart, to be sincere, so that we're the same at church as we are at home, the same at work, so that people see the, the real person. That we don't just go through these doors, take off our piety, and then live any way we want. No, we have to live according 
to the standards of God's word everywhere we go. That's what he wants us to do. Warren Worsby said, the eyes see what the heart loves. If the heart loves God and is single in this devotion, then our eyes will see God whether others see him or not. If we have a loyal heart, if we have a faithful heart, and he also wants us to have an obedient heart, and if we have a heart that's right with the Lord that beats for him, it will be to our benefit. Remember John the, the Apostle, he was the one who used to recline on Jesus' bosom. He used to put his ear right there over Jesus' heart, and he could hear the Lord's heart beating. And he loved the Lord. He's the, the Apostle whom Jesus loved. And that's the way he wants us to be, on a one-on-one -on -one relationship, to give our hearts to him, love him, and love him first in our lives. So that's the first thing we see today, the most important thing. Search me, O oh God. Search me. Search my heart. Search my desire. Search my attitude. Search my ways. And Lord, if there's anything you need to correct, correct it, Lord. Don't let me hide behind this mask. Secondly, he says, try me. David not only wanted God to search his life, he wanted him to try his life. That's another thing that God will do. If we say, Lord, try me. Bring trials into my life that will test my Christian faith. He will do it. He will do it. Sometimes we're afraid to pray that prayer because we know that some pretty heavy trials will come. David wasn't afraid to pray that prayer. He says, try me and know my anxieties. You know, the Lord knows what things really bother us. He knows what things really concern us. He knows what things worry us in life. He knows what you're going through right now in your life. It may be a health situation. It may be a financial situation. It may be a family situation. He knows what's going on in your heart. And a lot of times on Monday nights or on Wednesday nights when we have prayer, we raise up our hands unspoken, unspoken. You ever wonder why people say unspoken? Because it's something so personal, so close to you that it's between you and the Lord, and so you raise your hand unspoken. But I love it when the person comes back and says, raises their hand, the Lord answered my unspoken. And whether that request is spoken or whether it's unspoken, it comes from our heart. The Lord knows it already, and he's going to answer it. And he wants us to be honest before him, and he wants us to trust in him. You know, you can learn a lot about a person if you follow them around for a while. Let's say, for instance, that you said, this week, Lewis, I'm going to go and I'm going to travel with Lewis. I'm going to travel with you, Lewis, everywhere you go. I'm going to listen to what you say. I'm going to go with you to school or work. I'm going to go to you with the house, everywhere. You know, after about a week's time, I think I could get to know Lewis pretty well by being around him. And then I'd say, you know, Lewis, maybe we'll do this a little longer. Let's, let's go a month this time. I'm going to spend a month with Lewis now. One whole month I'm going to spend with him. I'm going to listen to what he says and all this and you know, Lewis, this is working out pretty good. Let's extend it to a year. I'm going to follow you around for one year, Lewis, and everything. But you know what? We laugh about that, but you know the Lord is with us everywhere. He hears everything we say. He sees everything we do. He knows our thoughts, our motives, our desires, our goals, our plans, our dreams, everything. And he wants the best for us. How can we ever think we can hide anything from him? We can't hide anything from him. He knows down to the very depths of our heart what makes us go, what the real Dean is about, what the real Rick is about, what the real Kalina is about. He knows us. And that's why he wants us to grow in our faith and he wants our hearts to overflow in his life and his service. You know, the Lord never t 
tests us to make us fall or to make us fail. He tests us to make us stand so that we can stand firm for him. He strengthens our hearts so that we can face the journey. You know, if the Israelites had probably left Egypt knowing that they were going to be out in that wilderness for 40 years, I bet a lot of those Israelites they said, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to leave Egypt and go out in this wilderness where you don't have water, you don't have food, you don't have anything with all these people. No, I, that's not for me. But you know, God loves us and he knows we're on a journey and he knows if he told us exactly at the beginning what we were going to go through, how long we were going to live, the things we were going to suffer, it would be very hard on us. So what he does is he says this. He says, I'm going to give you a plan for your life, but I'm going to reveal it to you one day at a time. I'm not going to overwhelm you with all these trials and difficulties all at once, but I'm going to take care of you step by step. I'm going to give you grace for the journey for each step. And when you do that, you find that God is faithful. And when they went out in the desert, in the wilderness, over three million people, and they got thirsty. God allowed them to get thirsty. And then what did he do? He gave them water to drink even out of a rock. And then they got hungry. Lord, we're hungry. Lord, we're hungry. The Lord gave them quail to eat, huge amount of quail. And he gave them manna every day that they would go out in the morning and gather the manna because God loved them. And he fed them that whole time in the wilderness until they arrived in the promised land. He gave them food. He gave them clothes. He, he allowed their sandals to never wear out during that whole journey, 40 years in the wilderness. Yes, God knows how long we're going to be here on earth. He knows what we're going to go through. He loves us, and he's going to care for us all the while. Sometimes, though, we have fears. Sometimes we have phobias. Sometimes we have doubts whether the Lord can really do it or not. May the Lord forgive us because he's proven himself, like we said before, a perfect track record. And sometimes the Lord uses these things in our lives to strengthen us and teach us his ways. So he allows these trials. I found a poem that's very beautiful. I'm going to read it to you. It, it really touched my heart about how God loves us, and he loves us through the trials that we go through. It says, he sat by the fire of sevenfold heat as he watched by the precious ore, and closer he bent with a searching gaze as he heated it more and more. He knew he had ore that could stand the test, and he wanted the finest gold to mold as a crown for the king to wear, set with gems of precious gold. So he laid our gold in the burning fire, though we fain would have said nay. And he watched the dross as we had not seen, as it melted and passed away. And the gold grew brighter, and yet more bright, and our eyes were so dim with tears. And we saw the fire, not the master's hand, and questioned with anxious fear. Yet our gold shone out with a richer glow as it mirrored a form above that bent o'er the fire, though unseen by us, with a look of infinite love. Can we think it pleases his loving heart to cause a moment of pain? No. Ah, no. But he saw through the present cross the bliss of eternal gain. So he waited there with a watchful eye, with a love that is strong and sure, and his goal did not suffer a bit more heat than was needed to make it pure. That really touched my heart. I was reading that yesterday, and I started to cry. I said, Lord, that's what you're doing with me. 
It may not be comfortable to be like that gold in the fire, but it has to be, it has to be because that dross has to be removed. There's that impurity to the gold. It, it may look beautiful, but there's dross there. And so God puts it through the fire to make it more beautiful and to shine for him. And that's what he's doing in our lives. He loves us that much that he puts us through that fire, not to hurt us. He doesn't like to see us suffering through these things, but he knows it's needed to get us where he wants us to be. Left to ourselves, we would follow the impulses of our own heart right down the wrong path. So he loves us enough to direct our paths to him. Do what's necessary in my life. We may not choose the trial. He chooses it. We may not choose the experience. He chooses it for us because he knows what's best for us. And I can thank God this morning, and I think you'll join me. And if you join me, say amen. I'm thankful God is not finished with me yet. We can be thankful, can't we? God isn't finished, and he's so patient. He's working on our hearts. He's working on our lives, and he's doing it daily. And he said, Dean still hasn't quite got this lesson yet, but he's so patient. He says, Dean, you've got to repeat kindergarten. You know, that's always, that was always my fear when I was growing up in school that I'd have to repeat a grade because I thought that is going to be so embarrassing. All my classmates are going to move up to the first grade and they're going to be excited about a new teacher, a new class. Maybe even they'll, when you pass that grade, you'll go to a new school and then you have to stay back and you have to stay in that grade and you have to learn it all over again. You know, God is patient with us, isn't he? Sometimes he says, Dean, you need to learn it again. You learned it the first time, but you didn't quite get it. I need to teach you again. And he's so patient with us. The Lord Jesus Christ is the master teacher. He's the master teacher because he's so patient. When he teaches us, he wants us to learn it, not here, but in our hearts. And then he wants us to affect our lives. So he knows that we're not always going to get it the first time. It's like how many people who got saved and invited Jesus into their heart did that the very first time they heard the message of salvation? Most likely not. We had to hear it a second time or a third time or many times. But how patient he is to bring us to himself, to save us and change our heart, and how patient he is now to teach us and give us himself. Yes, it's interesting. There was a man named Robert Freeman that once said, character is not made in a crisis. It is only exhibited. So if you see a person going through a big crisis in their life, a big trauma in their life, how they go through that is not going to be based on, on that trauma, that crisis. It's based on what they have learned beforehand. And then that character is exhibited through the crisis. I think about Abraham Lincoln. He was a great president, but you know the thing that happened to him right away in his presidency? The Civil War broke out. Now, he probably had all kinds of plans and ambitions, things he wanted to do for the country, things he wanted to pass into legislation, but he had to devote his attention to the war. And the war, they started off with such great excitement, the Union Army, they went out to fight, and you know what? They were defeated by the Confederates so bad, and there were people that had actually gone out making it like a picnic, that they were going to watch the Union just devastate the Confederate Army, and they, were, and they had to run for their lives back to Washington. They took it lightly. But all through the war, Abraham Lincoln had to see all the men who were wounded and visited them, 
and he, and he realized all the people that were died. And every person that died, he took it hard. He took it personally. He was a Christian. He loved his country, and he loved the people that were defending the country and fighting for the country. And it affected him so much. But he went through that. And I really believe God prepared him for that presidency. And when it came that time, he was the ideal person to be president at that time. He was ideal. And right now, God is preparing you and I for something we're going to go through maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe this year that he has been preparing us for. And then we get to it and we say, I didn't think I could ever go through it. Well, he's prepared us through it. He's prepared our hearts so that we can face it. And I love that. God doesn't waste anything in our lives, any trial, any lesson that he teaches us. He doesn't waste it. He uses it in my life and your life for the good. I really love that. There's a song sometimes we sing on Wednesday night, Change My Heart, O God, Make It Ever True. Change My Heart, O God, May I Be Like You. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants to change our hearts. But first, before he can change us, our hearts, he's got to search our hearts, and he's got to try our hearts. He's got to test us, and he's got to mold us. There's a beautiful verse in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 19 that speaks of the heart. And it says, As in water... Face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Isn't that amazing? When you go to a wa some water that's really clear, now a lot of it's polluted now. You look in the water, it's murky and polluted, but if you find really out there in the country in the, in the clear, pure water, and you look at that water, you can see your reflection in it. You can see what you look like. The Word of God is like that. He wants us to look into the Word of God like a mirror, and He wants us to see ourselves and where we need to change, where we need to grow. He wants to expose it because He loves us so much. And it's interesting. You can read the same verse of Scripture, and you can be convicted by it, and you can also be encouraged by it, depending on what you're going through and what your experiences are in life. But you know, as Christians, sometimes in life, those are three things we like to run away from, don't we? I don't want conviction, I don't want correction, and I don't want chastisement. Lord, give me anything else but those three things? No. What does the Lord know we need? Conviction, chastisement, and correction. There are three hard things to take. I don't know about you, but it's very hard for me. Those things are very hard for me, but I've found in my life when I've been convicted and I've listened to the conviction, and I've been chastised. In other words, I've been spanked by the Lord. I've been disciplined by the Lord. He's brought me back to where I should have been in the first place. And when he's corrected me, it's been for my good. And it's always been a blessing. Sometimes the Lord uses people to do that. Sometimes he does. It may be a boss. It may be somebody in your family, a spouse or whatever. And he uses people. And sometimes they're not always very gentle. They're not always very gentle. Sometimes they are very mean about it. But God says, I'm going to use it in your life. Sometimes he uses circumstances that are very difficult in our lives to change us, to correct us, to chastise us. Sometimes he uses downtime in our lives. You know, if you ever get sick, don't ever think it's just wasted time. Because we call it downtime. But if you're sick or you're injured or you can't go to work or whatever and you have time, you can spend it with the Lord and he will build you up and build you up and build you up so that you'll come out from that more filled and more strengthened than when you went down with that particular affliction. 
So we see those two things. Search me, O God. Try me. And then he says finally, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, the Lord can't lead us. He can't show us his will. He can't do great things in our life really at all unless our hearts are fully yielded and fully surrendered. Only you know your heart. Only know I know my heart. And really, we don't compared to what he knows. He knows it better than, than even we do. He really does. But he wants us to surrender. He wants us to yield. He wants us to submit. And that, again, is another challenging thing because the flesh doesn't like it. Just like the flesh doesn't like to be corrected or be convicted or be uh, challenged at all, the flesh doesn't like to surrender. It wants its way. It wants its own way. The heart is wicked and desperately evil and wants its own way. And the Lord has to break our hearts. He has to give us a new heart for him. In Psalm 143 and verse 10, it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the way or the land of uprightness. You know, when the Lord is leading you in your life, you can have peace about it. You can go through struggles. You can go through trials. But you know you're in the will of God. There's such peace there. There's such comfort there because we're in the will of God. He's leading us. He's leading our hearts. He's leading our lives. There's a hymn that says this. We've never sang it, but it's really beautiful. It says, Savior, lead me lest I stray. Gently lead me all the way. Gently. I am safe when by thy side I would in thy love abide. Thou the refuge of my soul when life's stormy billows roll. I am safe when thou art nigh. All my hopes on thee rely. Savior, lead me then at last when the storm of life is past. To the land of endless day where all tears are wiped away. And then the chorus says this. I really like this. Lead me. Lead me. Savior, lead me lest I stray. Gently down the stream of time. Lead me, Savior, all the way. He wants to lead our life. He wants to search us. He wants to try us. And he wants to lead us. And we have to surrender our hearts fully to him. It's not enough to surrender once in our Christian life, we have to do it daily. Maybe by the hour, maybe by the minute, we have to surrender to him because that old flesh is still with us and we have to surrender it to the Lord and say, Lord, give me a heart for you. Give me a heart for you. That everything that we do, we may do it from our hearts. You know, if somebody does something, you can tell if they do it from their hearts or not because if they don't, they're just in it. They're just in it to either cash the paycheck or whatever it might be. But when our hearts are in it, we have a passion for it, and that's what he wants us to have. And he will remove the dross from our lives. He will burn it away through the trial. He will do great things through us if our hearts are yielded to him. So let's pray today for willing hearts, to say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Whatever you do with me, whatever you do for me, I'm willing, Lord. And when we say that and really mean it, he will. And may he give us faithful hearts and sincere hearts and obedient hearts because God sees those hearts. He sees the inside, not just the outside, and he wants to do great things in our lives. So are we willing today to go to the Lord Jesus Christ as the great physician and say, Lord, do heart surgery on me today. I need a change of heart. I need a change. I need to give you everything, Lord. I need to give you first place in my heart first place in my life. I need to put you first. 
It never works otherwise. It's all about the heart. Shall we just bow our head now and close our eyes? And if there's anyone today who has never experienced a new heart, has never experienced Jesus Christ and accepted him into your heart as your Lord and Savior, today's the day that you can do it. You just have to come to him and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know my heart isn't right with you. I know my heart is wicked. I know I'm a sinner, Lord. And I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And all I have to do is accept him in my heart and give him my heart, and he will take it. And the Lord Jesus Christ will give you a new life. And when you have that joy in your life, he will give you even greater joy. And if you're here today and you know the Lord and you have him in your heart, thank him for that and ask him to change your heart, mold your heart more, and do great things. Yes, Lord, search me, try me, and lead me. Lord and Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray today that you will bless us tremendously, Lord, with your word by the Holy Spirit. Lord, our hearts, we need them to be soft. We need them to be yielded and surrendered. And we just pray, Lord, that you'll give a us a heart for your people, a heart for your word, a heart for you, Lord, throughout our lives. And we pray that you will direct our hearts and our lives in you. We thank you and praise you now for all that you've done in Jesus' precious name. Amen.